as of 2023, there have been 11 live-action movies in the Star Wars saga. I'm assuming everybody has watched or at least heard of a Star Wars movie, right? Eleven of these movies, they're all considered part of that saga, which includes the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, and the sequel trilogy, as well as two standalone anthology films. Here's what it looks like. Okay. So you see this Star Wars dynasty of movies goes all the way back to what what's the earliest date there? Good night, 77. I was just a boy. <laughs> oh, that was the year we were married. Yeah. That's right. I was just a boy. <laughs> you robbed the girl. And the reason I bring that illustration up is if you followed Star Wars, you know that when the first one came out, I remember where I was, what theater I was in, almost the row where I was seated, when that starship came out of the screen and started moving, and then text started scrolling, describing then the background of the movie. Now, since then, then, they've had the prequels and the triquils and the afterquills <laughs> and all these quills. And 20 years later, we're still explaining things about the first movie that we didn't completely understand when that thing shot out of the sky. It has all, the whole story has developed after the fact. Now, I present that to you as a way of understanding the subject of progressive revelation concerning, in particular, the Bible. What do I mean? Progressive revelation. The Bible was not composed overnight result of gradu a gradual process in which God's self-disclosure unfolded over an extended period of incremental contributions. I'm going to switch microphones. Clearly the understanding of God that Abraham gave was augmented with the insights of Moses which in turn was further enriched by David and subsequently by Isaiah leading up to the teachings of Christ and after that Paul among others now to the inerrantist who believes every word in the Bible is inerrant and factual and exact you might even advocate and accept this progression. However, what they would say additionally is that they have to hold fast to the conviction that every word from the earliest revelation was entirely accurate and with each new revelation additional truth was introduced without error 
Now, holding to that view, one will still arrive at an interpretation of the Bible that lacks proper shades of understanding. It, it would be like saying that no differences have ever happened since the first Star Wars movie. And yet things you thought about certain characters in the very first Star Wars movies, you think differently about those characters now after having watched 11 Star Wars sequels or movies. And as this applies to the Bible, what are we talking about? Well, so for instance, the conclusion that capital punishment, as prescribed in the Noahic Covenant, remains entirely applicable in contemporary times. How about this one? That God mandated acts of genocide because such commands are documented in the scriptures. And so, hence, we are carrying those out worldwide today, sometimes in the name of Christ. We have things going on in the Middle East and being cheered or jeered because of our understanding or not of progressive revelation of the Bible. Now, the biblical basis for progressive revelation is actually found in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. But it shifts. It shifts from the understanding of the old to the new. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So you see how the revelation that they might have had back when they were pinning books of the Old Testament should and is of necessity different post-Christ, post the death, burial, and resurrection, the coming of Jesus Christ. Things that they believed while Jesus was teaching on the hillside, on the mount of Beatitudes, as it's called, scripture references that they, that they gave to the old covenant. That doesn't look good, does it? How about that? <laughs> I can take it off, yeah. Can we do that? Go ahead, hon. Come on. Uh, I'm going to let my assistant help me here. Yes. Yeah. See, if you're being sp super spiritual, you, you have assistants in the ministry. This actually happens to be my wife. So <laughs> I assist her at home. See, that's how that works. See, in the past, God spoke this way, but now he's spoken. See, he wouldn't say, but now, if there wasn't any, any difference with then. If there wasn't a difference between now and back then, we wouldn't have this verse penned by the writer of Hebrews that formerly revelation came this way, but now it's all embodied in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's completely changed. Our understanding of the movie 
and of the narrative of scripture has changed since just the reading of Moses and Abraham and David. It's changed. Those were the early movies. It's different now that we have Christ who is the embodiment of everything created in the entire universe. It seems as though God's self-revelation has more installments than the Star Wars saga. So <laughs> this view of inerrancy that scripture does not change and that, that everything you read, old or new, is exactly the same and deserves the same weight to it. It has the same weight whether you read it from the old or new and regardless of who spoke it and what time it was given in and so forth, it all carries the same weight and is inerrant. That view is called a flat reading of the Bible, a flat reading or interpretation of the Bible. And nowhere in Scripture are we invited to view the Bible as uniform or regard every word plainly as factual. Some view and read the Bible as though you can blindly flip to a random page, point to any line, and declare, here lies the exposed truth without any context even. I used to do that as a young Christian. I'd take my Bible. I was needing to make an important decision and it was really weighty, at least to me at that time, and I'd take my Bible and I'd let it fall open and then I'd close my eyes and I'd just go, bunk. <laughs> and then I'd read that scripture and I'd take that as God's word to me. Now, some of you are looking at me like a calf at a new gate, like you've never done anything like that. Maybe you didn't do that, but you've done similar. I remember one time, because I heard some television evangelist say how he stands on the word of God. Now, that's a popular saying, right? Maybe you've said it yourself, but he illustrated that he took that literally, and he would actually, during prayer times, when he had weighty decisions to make, take his Bible, put it on the floor, and stand on it, and then just declare promises of what he was believing and trusting God for. I, you know, I guess, <laughs> whatever flips your switch, but it just doesn't have anything to do with the progressive revelation of God. It doesn't have anything to do with God responding to you it, it gets you some bonus points in your own head. But see, God's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And I was reading just last night in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 where it says nothing we have in our Christian life or in our walk with God is based on anything we personally have done. To deserve it, confess it, believe hard enough to get it, he gave it to us all by grace. Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith. You know, reading the Bible flat is like using a map of the world to navigate your local grocery store. Right? I mean, think about it. You go into the grocery store, you need to know where the milk is, and so you break out, get out of your purse or your wallet or your back pocket, a world map. And you start now everything on that map is true 
it was accurately recorded but it's not going to help you find a carton of milk and that's what happens with a lot of Christians in their walk who treat the Bible instead of a narrative they treat it as a constitution of moral right and wrong where every word has to be factual and inerrant instead of a developing narrative and story of God's embrace of all of humanity well I hope I'm helping somebody instead of that approach here's what I want to offer we should scrutinize the text to consider in what way does Jesus' revelation of God shed light on these passages or these verses that are often obscure? How should we interpret passages that condone or instruct violence or those that contain unjust statutes like mandating for rapists to marry their victims? How do we treat such passages in the Bible now that the veil has been lifted? The Bible says that Jesus is the veil that has been lifted from our eyes about our understanding of God. See, illumination, illumination of God and his will for your life is progressive. And there is the human addition of that. And I can do no better in describing this than to read from a comment made recently by Brad Jerzak as he was responding to somebody asking him about progressive revelation. So bear with me. It'll be just a little bit lengthy, but I'm putting it up on the screen. Here was Brad's response. But there is also another sense of progressive revelation in which God progressively reveals himself within the context of human witnesses whose own worldviews, prejudices, nationalism, military, militarism, and even barbarism acts or bar, yeah, barbarism, barbaristic acts as veils which cloud their revelations of God and even distort it. What are we talking about? So like God is on my side. He wants to kill my enemies. He'll help us do that, in fact. I mean, we've got all of that currently in the news. God is on my side. But throughout Scripture, God is not only progressively revealing himself, but he's also progressively unveiling our eyes. I love that, Brad Jerzak. Thank you. God's not only progressively revealing himself, he's progressively removing the veil from in front of your own eyes so that you can be illuminated. I prefer to call this, he says, progressive illumination in which God's self-revelation requires not only addition, but edition. Not only adding to, but understanding the context of it. What addition? Which movie are we in? Explaining what about the narrative? Even with the Old Testament, we see important reinterpretations where the Bible shifts from God's love of Israel to God's love of the world. Warfare as worship becomes warfare, worship as warfare. God destroyed people, uh, excuse me, yes, God destroyed people to God, get, changing to God gives the people over to the destroyer and so on 
until only in Christ do we get the unveiled revelation of God. Man, I love that. So good. No one else has ever been behind the veil of transcendence except God, the only Son. Think of this. No one actually knows God. And yet we have people in pulpits and people on TV making proclamations and they'll tell you that their interpretation and their revelation of this particular doctrine or understanding of God and his love is absolutely the correct one. And yet no one has ever been behind that veil but Jesus Christ. No one else has ever seen the Father with unveiled eyes except God, the only Son. Christ was the first unveiled witness who made God known through God's own enfleshment in the world. God became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, Christ is the ultimate revelation. He's the ultimate unveiler. John chapter 1 verse 18 no one has ever seen God but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father he has made him known see my relationship with Jesus and my walk with him being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and studying my Bible to understand as the Holy Spirit helps me understand trumps even things that Abraham believed or that Moses practiced or that Daniel sang about. Why? Because they're post the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You must read scripture through the lens of Christ. It is not flat. The Bible is not flat. Every passage does not have equal value and equal weight. It's not meant to. Difficult passages must be viewed and understood in the light of Jesus' life and his ministry. How many of you have ever seen those wristbands that say W, what is it, WWJD, right? And maybe you have one. What's that stand for? What would you, you know, I wonder, that's not so bad of a thing to ask when you're reading your Bible. That's not such a bad thing to ask when you come across a passage in the Old Testament that says, God's committing genocide and wiping out a, a, a whole people group including the, the innocents how do we understand such passages what would Jesus do what would Jesus teach you see scriptures are actually often a mere representation of the human condition rather than God's love or God stating this is my will scriptures mirror the brokenness of humanity even Jesus took on this role we're told in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 
that he was broken with our brokenness. He, be, he became broken and flawed with all that was humanity. We are to see Christ in the Old Testament anytime you read it. Seeing scripture as divinely inspired rather than divinely dictated word for word is absolutely essential to having a journey of faith that's alive. You cannot view the scripture as divinely inspired through dictation. I believe it's divinely inspired I believe every word of it was divinely inspired. I don't believe it was dictated. So what am I saying? I mean, we, this deserves a series, right? Not just a, a message on Sunday, and I'm sorry. I, I do out of all, I was thinking about this uh, last night and this morning when I thought about how I was going to present this to you. And I was thinking of all the things that have made the biggest difference in my personal walk with Jesus over the last 10 years. Number one is understanding God's love and how that he has included everyone, the entire world. He didn't die for just people that go to church. He died for everyone in the world and everyone in the world is included. So call it the doctrine of inclusion. That's completely changed my life. And we're fine. We don't need to do anything with that. The second is what I would call the, the reverse, believing differently, reversing my uh, repenting means to think differently. Repentance isn't an emotion. It's not running up to the altar, crying and weeping and asking God to save you. That's not repentance. Repentance means literally to change the mind or to put God's thoughts in the center of everything I'm thinking and doing. That's repentance. So I had to repent about something called, uh, this is a theological term, penal substitution. Widely believed and held by American evangelicals, widely not believed and held by our Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters. And many, many, and most, I'd say most other Christians in the world. But boy, we, we love it here in America. Penal substitution. And it simply means that Jesus was not only a substitute in dying for us, but he bore the judgment and the anger and the wrath of God. God was so angry and out of his holiness, he had to judge somebody. So the way he forgave our sins was by judging Jesus Christ and punishing Jesus on the cross. Coming to an understanding that God forgives me just out of his mercy and love and not through blood sacrifice has completely changed my life. Not only changed my walk with God, but changed how I view you, changed how I view other people that don't believe like I do. You say, well, what about the conflict over in Israel and Palestine right now? Every one of those individuals on either side are somebody that God loves they have invaluable 
worth as much and God loves them equally as much as he loves you or me or Billy Graham Franklin now I guess I don't understand the mystery of evil and I don't understand everything about the purpose of the state to have to deal with that evil I don't believe evil should just be allowed to destroy human life and so evil must be dealt with when it manifests but it does not change God's love for every human life that's being lost or that's being lived and I never could have I would have been praying before before now before the last 10 I would have been praying that God came down and wiped them all out the other side Right, whatever other side you're talking about wipe them out God wipe them from the face of the earth now my heart grieves I'm broken I watch the newscasts I see the babies and the moms and the children and I see the lives being lost and I hurt and I grieve I say God isn't there a way God isn't there a way that your love I do know this. We don't overcome according to Christ. Remember now, we're going to view everything through Christ. Here's what Christ said. You don't win against an enemy through hate. You win your enemies through love. Now, I know that's difficult. You can't make that a policy at, at the level of state but listen, I'm talking to you right now. I'm talking about your enemies. I'm talking about that neighbor across the fence that's offended you. I'm talking to you about where you work in the workplace and you have hate and you have offense and you think you're justified in asking God to wipe them out, take them out, God. You're praying in this next political cycle that God just has his way and wipes that stuff out. <laughs> And God is saying, oh, go see a Star Wars movie. It might have started like that in the first one, but it's not like that now. It's different because of Jesus. Jesus has made it all different. He didn't teach wipe them out. He taught bring them a cool cup of water. And you know what Paul said about that? If you give an enemy a cup of water... He said, you'll be heaping coals of fire on their head. That's right, God, wipe them out. No, 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 no. That's not what he's talking. God's love is like fire. And when you give a cup of water to an enemy, God's love starts burning up inside of them. The stuff, the evil, the stuff that's not like him. And I have to let God do that. I can't do that for God. Oh, I'm going on. I'm sorry. This, that's not even in my notes. We must have Christ as our living revelation and our progressive revelation. We're called to reread scriptures. I'm calling you, every one of you and those watching, I'm calling you to reread your Bible. With, the un, with unveiled faces through Christ. Here's my invitation. Spend time personally reflecting and applying 
Christ to everything. Delve into scriptures with fresh eyes, seeing the continuous narrative of the whole world and universe that God has been fathering, leading and culminating in Christ. Don't stop with Adam. Don't stop with Moses. Don't stop with David. You will have a skewed version and interpretation of the Bible. And so I, I said there's three things that have changed my life in the past 10 years. I gave you the first two. The third one is this. Not reading the Bible flatly has completely changed my life. How I love, how I live, who I get close to, who I don't get close to, 